Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everyone. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today on the Word Podcast. You know, of late in our episodes, we've been looking at the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer at spiritual gifts. And we have looked at the four major passages uh, that deal with uh, this giftedness and power of the Spirit within the Scripture. But it's not just limited to that. When you look at the totality of the Word, you see where the power of the Spirit is being poured forth constantly. And there are things to be understood from there. There's things to be gleaned from each one of those episodes. And so I don't Mm -hmm. want to come back and say, okay, these are the four places in the Scripture where it tells us everything we need to know. (laughs) The Spirit always reveals more and more and more to us, right? But here's what we've seen at this point in time. We saw in 1 Peter 4 um, that there's basically two large categories, for lack of a better term, spiritual gifts. They're speaking gifts and they're serving gifts. They are not mutually exclusive. And so don't come along and say, okay, I have a speaking gift, so I don't have to serve. Or don't come along and say, I have a serving gift, I don't have to speak. No, we are all to speak forth the gospel. We're to all serve the kingdom of God. But there's spiritual empowerments for such. Anytime you sit there and say, well, I don't have to do that. I don't need to do this. Watch it, okay? So we saw that in First Peter. And then we saw in Ephesians 4 where there are gifted individuals uh, that the Lord gifts through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is to the building up and the equipment of the saints and the building up of the body of Christ. And then we saw Romans 12, uh, the basic outline of spiritual gifts that we see over in 1 Corinthians 12. So I want to go to 1 Corinthians 12 and pick it up from there. Remember I told you that we would do this because 1 Corinthians 12 shows us about spiritual gifts. But then 1 Corinthians 13 and 14 give us tremendous insight and we do well to uh, look at those so if you remember Paul did not want them to be unaware about spiritual gifts okay he wanted them to know what was happening in their lives that that their lives were no longer like they were when they were pagans and he told them that there's varieties of giftedness but the same spirit there's varieties of ministries but the same Lord there's varieties of effects or empowerments but the same God who works all. And we saw that the Holy Spirit gives a manifestation of the gift of the a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Okay, it's for the common good. And uh, sometimes people want to turn that around in interesting ways and pervert that. Uh, they'll say, well, uh, if you have a particular gift, which we'll see over in 1 Corinthians 14, that gift only edifies you, and so that's not for the common good. Well, that's sort of crazy because am I not a part of the common? Am I not a part of the portion of the body of Christ? So if it does something that edifies me, then it's going to be for the common good. And so we saw a a short delineation of some of the gifts of the Spirit, uh, that to some there's given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, some a word of knowledge through the Spirit, to another one uh, faith by the same Spirit, to another healing by the Spirit, and then to other people there'll be miracles, there'll be prophecy, there'll be distinguishing of spirits, uh, there'll be tongues, there'll be interpretation of tongues. That always makes people out of my background really, really nervous when they start listing those last few things there, the miracles, the prophesying, the distinguishing of spirits, the tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. It makes them so nervous that a lot of them get to the point 
to where they will actually say, well, those are no longer for this time. They were for back then. They needed them then, but we don't need them now. Uh, what a lie of the evil one. So anyway, the Lord says that it's the same spirit who works all these things in each one of us. And then he uses each one of our physical bodies as an example. Remember that? That our bodies are made up of many members, but each one is still one. So we can't come along and say, oh, I'm, I'm functioning as a little toe within the body of Christ, so I'm not as worthy as the eye. No, 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 no. We are all important. We're all one body. We're all needed. And we can't sit there and say, you know, he gave the example that I can't say to the hand, I don't need you, or the head can't don't say to the feet, I have no need for you. We need each other. And he actually says that the ones that are the members that are less presentable, the less honorable, in other words, the ones that aren't quite as pretty, are really the most important. <laughs> Think of your heart, your liver, and that type of thing. So anyway, he uh, at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul closes it and he says, Now, Christ is one body, but individually there are members within that body. And God has appointed in the church. And so this we have a little more insight related to this after we'd seen Ephesians 4. That is appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, and various kinds of tongues. Now, this isn't the type of thing that it says, well, this gift is more important than that gift, though there are gifts that are probably more important. This has to do with the fact, uh, first apostles, the apostles, the one that brings the message, okay, that brings forth uh, the message of the kingdom of God. We must have that. Second prophet is the one that, the prophet is the one who speaks forth the truth. Third teacher, the teacher is the one who will bring forth that truth into individual lives and give you understanding about it. So then he closes and says, all are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets. All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? And the unanswered answer here is no. And he says, all do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? So that right there gives us some real insight and some real understanding about what's happening within the power of the gifts of the Spirit. If someone comes along and says, oh, you must manifest this particular gift of the Spirit to prove that you're truly saved or to prove that you are empowered by the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit dwells within you, you have to have this gift, then that is just an error. That's a mistake. Okay, and it's done quite prevalently with one or two particular spiritual gifts. People say, oh, you have to have this gift to prove that you've really been, quote-unquote, baptized with the Holy Spirit, that you truly have the Holy Spirit. And right here, the Scripture says, all do not have. And he delineates, all, all are not apostles or prophets or teachers or workers of miracles, and all do not have healings or tongues or interpretation of tongues. So he tells us point blank that all don't have. Now, the last verse of 1 Corinthians 12 says this, But earnestly desire under greater gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. Huh. Earnestly desire the greater gifts. Well, I just said a while ago that one gift isn't greater than the other one, is it? Well, it depends upon the role and the function and what you mean by greater. And we'll see more about this as we go along. But the idea, I believe, is the gift that really, really does what? Impacts the common good. And so you may have a gift that's really, really good and functioning for you is great for you personally. Okay? And that's great for the body. But it doesn't have the impact that another gift might have. And, and we'll see more about that in 1 Corinthians 14. But he tells them something here, which I find really, really interesting. 
And he says, earnestly desire the greater gifts. Huh. Earnestly desire. Uh, it is often said that, that when we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. That's correct. And that we are equipped and gifted by the Holy Spirit. We've seen that in these four separate passages, correct? We are. But quite often, man will extrapolate another corollary from that. And they will say, well, that is all you ever get. Whatever you receive at that moment and that time, that's it. So if you have one gift, if you have two, if you have three, if you have five, whatever, that's it. And I don't think that's correct. I think that we need to live in a way to where the Lord is free and we're not quenching His Spirit to do whatever He desires at any moment of time. And that we can actually live to earnestly desire the greater gifts. Not to where we can be showier, because as we're going to find out, the Church of Corinth had the same problem we have today, that one of the gifts that people think sort of showy, Paul actually describes as one of the least of gifts. The, less, the least of gifts, actually. And we get things sort of backwards, don't we? But here he's saying, I earnestly desire that you would want the greater gifts. And I show you still a more excellent way. There's a more excellent way than even desiring the greater gifts. There's a more excellent way. Of course, that begs a couple of questions. Excellent way of what? And what is this excellent way? Uh, well, my time's up, so we'll have to wait until the next time to continue with that. We'll pick it up next time, 1 Corinthians 13, okay? In the meanwhile, I'm Dale. Thanks a lot for being with me, and I'll see you later. Goodbye.